Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey listeners, it's Phil Mackey. We're talking Minnesota sports five days a week on Mackey and Jeb with Rami. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you're tight on time today and you can only listen to one segment from today's show, here it is. All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. And it's Thursday, which means Sage Football Wisdom, our journeyman quarterback friend, Sage Rosenfels, Vikings quarterback in 2009 and part of 2010 before Brad Childress awkwardly walked up to him and told him, uh, no, you're not going to be here anymore. Sage, what does the Vikings... That's not what he said to me. (laughs) What did he say? He said, you know, now Brad has come back a second year. What would you like to do for next... For, for this year. Oh, he you know, gave me said, like, would you want us to trade you or cut you? Do you want to stay here? Like, what would you like to do? And I said to him, I would love to stay here again, make another run at this thing. Uh, my kids love the school, love the area. I really enjoyed last year. I'd, you know, be happy to be Brett's, you know, backup. And I got, I got traded, like, within days after that. He misheard you. He thought yeah. you said trade me right bleeping now, and yeah, you and said, no, I, I promise love it you, here. I promise you, he did not call me either. That was Rick Spielman who called me and <laughs> and, uh, and traded me. A so, man of you his know, word, yes. It's, it is what it is. So it is what it is. What? Which is the opposite of uh, one of my f- other former coaches, who I left to come up to Minnesota, uh, of what uh, Mike Zimmer said about him yesterday in that press conference that obviously uh, I think is has been some news uh, with the Vikings that's different than the players that this coach who's not even really a coach in a sense right he doesn't have a exact job per se uh, but it seems like his influence and, and Kevin Stefanski's play calling and however they put it together up there uh, seems to be winning some uh, you know football games and and we're getting a lot of production out of Dalvin Cook so it's uh, definitely I'm hoping Vikings fans can can see this how this offense is different I mean you can not like it and you can like it and whatever the style is but uh, uh, I tell you it makes a quarterback's job much easier when you can hand the ball off and you can run some screens when you can get that play action stuff going the bootleg stuff going uh, you know Kirk Cousins had some some really good games this year and had a had a solid game on Sunday night. There's a notion out there and has been for the last eight or ten years, Sage, and you bring up Dalvin Cook, but there, there's among analytics people, there's a saying that running backs don't matter. That's that's something that is said around the NFL, and basically what they're saying is an NFL-level running back can can do basically what any other running back could do behind the same blocking and in the same scheme, 
Is Dalvin Cook different? Because Alexander Madison looks really good when he gets the ball in his hands. And you look at Gary Kubiak's systems in the past, he had a different running back in Denver just about every year going for 1,500 total yards from scrimmage. Is Dalvin Cook different from what we've seen in Gary Kubiak's systems before? Yeah, he is different because, as you said, you know, maybe uh, a good running back in his old schemes, you know, they had these thousand yard rushers year after year in Denver, and it was like one random person after another. And once they left the Broncos, they never really were anything special, uh, but they'd have these productive seasons. I think what Dalvin Cook takes in is sort of what you said. Uh, you know, we had Steve Slayton in Houston. He was a third round rookie. Uh, he was a smaller guy, more of a scat back playing like in the West, the old West Virginia spread offense. And, and he ran for over 1200 yards and, and probably had something around 15 yards from scrimmage with his receiving yards. Uh, but the difference between that and Dalvin Cook is, you know, 2000 to 2200 yards or whatever that number may end up being. And Dalvin Cook is special. I think the, you know, there, there's things of overpaying running backs and, you know, how much is the line, how much is the running back and how much is the scheme and obviously there's a certain scheme here that's conducive to you know consistently good rushers but Dalvin Cook uh sort of like how you know um you know Adrian and I think uh, Ricky Williams and parts of his prime and some other backs when they are really when they are extra special they Le'Veon Bell I think is, is is extra special and they can do different things in the passing game and we're seeing that now with the screens and uh he has this gear that is, I have not seen very much of. When he gets sort of around the edge or gets out in the open, he just outruns people. Uh, and, you know, Madison can't really do that. Uh, he brings a different thing to the table. I do really like him as a running back. And if the Vikings had a role with him, if Dalvin gets hurt, I feel very good about the Vikings running back situation. But I do believe Dalvin Cook is special. He is a mix of a Porsche uh, and a Jeep. And he has that right. What's that, he, what's that called, Sage? Uh, when you combine him, what's it called? Um, that a, is called a. a, a peep. It's a peep. He's yeah, a peep. but he's not a peep. Is he a George? He is a souped-up Ford F one fifty with some, you know, uh, with some. Yeah, so you know, he can roll. Like he can roll. I mean, he is one of the fastest guys in the league. Uh, so that's a lot of times, you know, a punt returner, kickoff returner, maybe a receiver, you know, maybe a small man-to-man DV that can really run. And he just has that with power and balance and very great, like very quick feet. And, and he finishes runs. That's like the Jeep part. And, and you don't see that. And he's been healthy this year. So he really has usually those, those Porsches break down. You know, uh, they, they have uh, the, the hamstrings a little tighter. Their their ankles are a little bit, you know, and then you have like your, you know, your your old AP types. And that's why AP was special, you know, during those years was that he had that, that mix of, of breakaway speed and obviously all that power to finish runs. His weakness was in the passing game. Uh, he, he just was not great to, you know, the way pass concepts and the way smooth route running. He wasn't didn't have great hands. That was the side of him that was not his positive. He was just that true traditional you know, you know, tailback and, and Dalvin Cook, you know, does catch the ball very naturally in the passing game. And, and, uh, and, you know, they, they've run all these screens. They had Dalvin Cook last week had 86 yards receiving. His yards after catch was 109. Yeah. Wow. That's right. Yeah, which basically means he, you know, he had seven, he was seven for seven. I don't know. I don't know if they're all screens, but at least six of them are screens. So he's catching the ball five to eight yards behind the line of scrimmage and got all that production. I mean, a quarterback, you want to talk about like how he makes Kirk Cousins' job easier. When you hand the ball off, 
you really have no responsibility, right? I mean, other than to basically be the coach. Like, oh, they're in this defense, and we're going to run this play. Like, which is pretty much all on what you were told to I do. I mean, Brett Favre started faking jump passes out of boredom. Well, point, so. yeah, <laughs> so, you know, you can add a little bit. You can add a are little spice me? onto the chicken, but you can't. it's not really your chicken. You know what are, I mean? You're just hey, say, 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 Are you telling which, me that I, that I could play quarterback on Sunday against the Broncos for the Vikings if my only responsibility was handoff to 33? I would say this in that in that drive when they went they went when they went ten for ten. Yep. All right, and that, when they had ten runs and they scored and I believe t- took the lead. Is that right? Uh, on that drive, no passes. If I gave you a month with the Vikings center and we worked on all the footwork and the tosses and di- like did it, you know, maybe even like a week, I could have maybe gotten you through to like not screw that up. Like not fumble the snap. Thank you. Or, you okay, know, I appreciate yeah. that. So, thank you for the help. Well, maybe too much. How are your hands? Do you think you could handle the snap? It's <laughs> coming in pretty hot. I think I could. Yeah, you I think feel so? like you'd have some issues touching another man's uh, derriere that many times. No, I think I could do all of those. I would things. have no. I, I think he'd. I think he'd get. Un- he'd go probably uncomfortably too deep. Thanks a lot for that. Appreciate, appreciate that. That just gave me a mental image I didn't need at all. Well, you know, there's there's a sweet spot there. You know, oh, not okay. too far back. You really just, really you really just the center. The center tells you where to put your hands. I'd like to tell you. I think the nose tackle might make me cry, but besides that, I'd be fine. So I've got a question for you, Sage, because Zim does not, um, Zim does not praise or dole out or, or almost tear up about many people. But his comments about Kubiak yesterday were off the charts. I mean, he said it, he said it might be the best thing that's happened to me since I took over in 2014 as yeah, coach. Yeah, that was shocking to it me. It was. was. So, like, but, wow. But yeah, as, as a guy who's worked with Kubes, tell me this. What's the what's the secret sauce here? What's the magic formula? What does Kubes bring that makes a guy like Zim absolutely gush? Because Mike Zimmer doesn't gush. Um, I, I'm guessing Gary Kubiak must have had great parents. That's what I think. I think that he was raised a certain way. Uh, he has lived a life a certain way. And people that are around him, he has authentic relationships with. Uh, there's no BS there. Um, there's a, just a lot of respect there. He's not a, a big talker and a salesman. I don't know how he'd be as a college football coach walking into someone's room and selling them on, you know, why they should come to his school. Uh, he is, you know, treats everyone i think very respectfully when when you when we lose he would a lot of times take the blame and sometimes just like we'd have a bad game and we think okay we're gonna go you know if this is the patriots they're in full pads you know wednesday thursday and friday next you know he's like hey i i think we overworked a little bit last week we're gonna take all the pads off this week right and today is just a walkthrough and a wednesday and we're like what what but we play terrible you know like he would do these things that really made you go like Coobs really appreciates us. He makes people feel appreciated, and uh, and that's the personal side of it. Um, uh, and, and I think again, you know, I don't know very, I don't know any quarterbacks. I've met a lot of quarterbacks over the years that have played for him, going back to his 49er days, and they all really like him. Uh, so I think there's that aspect of him. I think his actually coaching style, uh, which I believe Vikings fans have probably. Uh, had a chance to learn a little bit. We've talked about, you know, the changes from last year to this year to DeFlippo and shotgun on first down and throwing for a lot of yards, but maybe is that a good thing to this style, which, uh, you know, is doing a lot of really good things. And, and uh, uh, I, I, you know, the, the play action stuff is fun and you see some big plays, and but it also is like grind it out and old fashioned and blue collar and, 
and guys fighting for yards and staying on track. And all right, we got four yards. We we all know we don't want to be in third and eight and plus, right? And he does a really good job of you know uh, that style of offense does a good job of, of keeping the team out of you know bad situations. And so you know we'll it's it helps. I think it helps Kirk Cousins be a better quarterback. Uh, you know, obviously the record's a lot better this year, but we're not relying on Kurt to try to make the magic happen all the time. And uh, I, I don't think that's what's best for him. I don't think that's what's best for the football team. Might put up a lot of numbers and, you know, pass the rating and a lot of yards and 100-yard receivers last year, but winning football games is not that. Winning football games is a combination of, you know, not turning the ball over, holding on to the football, being good in the red zone, being good in third down, which means third and shorter situations, making some big plays, you know, which is easier in play action than straight drop back to make big plays down the field. You know, that combination, which isn't always sexier, uh, it seems like it sort of consistently plays uh, pays pretty good dividends when it comes to winning football. So, uh, Sage Rosenfels, by the way, with us here. It's our, our weekly session with Sage, Sage Football Wisdom. I'm Mackie and Judd with Rami. And so, Judd used the word secret, and then Sage, I want to go back to what you talked about with Kubiak and how he's he tends to build these relationships with players, and it, it, guys who play for him and quarterbacks who play for him seem to like him. And so, just a quick aside, uh, I was listening, so Bill Simmons came out with a new podcast. It's called uh, The Book of Basketball 2.0. Mm-hmm. And the first couple episodes are all about the secret of winning NBA championships. And uh, and he explained how Isaiah Thomas taught him 10 years ago what the secret was, and Bill Russell knew about the secret. And there's an hour-long episode with Steve Kerr where he talks about the secret. And the secret is, yes, you have to have a certain level of talent, obviously, to win a championship in the NBA. And I think this applies to, to the NFL, too. I want Sage's thoughts. The secret, he says, is guys liking each other, and guys respecting each other, and guys sacrificing for each other. And that tends to trump pure talent. If it's talent and it's disorganized and guys don't like each other, a less talented team that likes each other and likes the coaches and is cohesive is always going to win. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it is, yeah, it's a team sport. And a coach's job, in my opinion, is to basically maximize everyone's talents as much as possible uh, and create something that is like greater than the individual parts themselves. You know, it's a, uh, you know, a lawnmower, uh, the blade is what's cutting the grass, but really is a blade cutting the grass. Actually, everything is cutting the grass and, and those types of things. Right. So like the pieces all coming together, but also to be in a, you know, physical and mental state to maximize their, you know, their physical skills, you know, are they, uh, you know, are, are, do they feel scared uh, to make a mistake, right? I mean, fear does not do well in a lot of sports. It, it, it brings pe- a lot of people down. It, it limits their sort of ability, ability uh, for, their, to, for them to flourish uh, athletically because their mind shut down a little bit. I and mean, we, we've all seen that. Someone, you know, chokes at the end of the game or they're just sort of scared to play. I had a high school basketball coach who was extreme, so hard on us that a lot of guys were so scared to make a mistake, so they made a lot of mistakes. You know, they played nervous. Um, and a coach, like I imagine, like Kerr, I, I, I assume Pete Carroll does it really well. You know, Belichick's a little more the old-school, fear-based approach, I guess. But uh, this ability to sort of clear your mind and create an atmosphere where it's competitive, but everyone gets along, and um, there's just that sort of positive vibe going on to, again, maximize just people in general, like just lift people up. 
rather than tear people down, uh, but lift them up and then have all those pieces in place and the good coaching and the detail of what we're trying to do and everyone understanding that, that Kubiak is a very good communicator getting everybody to try to understand what we're trying to get done here. You know, we're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. This is this is what it is, you know. Uh, this is what we're trying to do. This is how we think we're going to win the football game. And when the, 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 the deliver of that message is authentic, and I believe uh, the Warriors players probably think Steve Kerr is authentic and those types of people, um, I think that, you know, their message hits home even more and everyone's on the same page. And when a team is on the same page, Everyone's on the same page. That's how you maximize potential. Sage, I came in on Monday, and a lot of the same people who were blaming Kirk Cousins essentially a week ago for a loss to the Chiefs were giving him credit for finally winning in prime time, finally beating a winning team on the road when they're trailing in the second half. And I called them all frauds, including <laughs> this guy standing to my right, Phil Mackey, because Kirk Cousins essentially did the same thing in the Cowboys game that he did in the Chiefs game, only there weren't breakdowns in all three phases of the football team. I don't say this as a compliment, Sage. I don't say this as a insult to Kirk Cousins. I think he is exactly as good at his, as what is going on around him. Do you think that's a fair assessment? All right, so what do you think Kirk Cousins did like in that game? In a sense of, I don't know if that's a really question. I guess the way I look at that game is Kirk did a great job, a great job of managing that football game. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, right? right? Alex Smith the heck out of it. Yes, Agreed. That's not a bad thing. No, I always liked Alex Smith. I always thought, like, oh, you know, he he only can get to the NFC champ or the AFC Championship game. I'm like, okay, I like that. Yeah, I like it in the AFC Championship and always being in the playoffs and always winning ten games or eleven games. And you know, he doesn't have to throw 48 touchdowns. So that's fine by me. It's winning football uh, versus you know, it's like Dominique Wilkins. Oh, he was great at dunking, but like. <laughs> Could he win the championships? And there's guys that just win the championships and or win a lot of games. And and I thought Kirk, so. I thought Kirk did that. He that's exactly what he needed to do. That's what he was asked to do. Um, yeah, but did he play? Did you know? It's just so that was the game. I think we were all looking to it after that Kansas City game, which when the schedule came out, we're looking at the schedule and and can't say here's this big game, Pat Mahomes, and they end up losing this game. Pat Mahomes didn't play. So then there's the next week is Dallas, and it's at Dallas. It's Sunday night football. Dallas is a playoff-caliber team. Vikings are a playoff-caliber team. Like, this is it. He failed last time. But didn't, you know, they went two-minute there at the end, and they, didn't, you know, they, they couldn't move the football and blah, blah, blah. Um, he wins this game. It doesn't mean like all those uh, negatives from what we are talking about in the past aren't there anymore. What he did was that, well, the team didn't need him to do a lot. They asked him to do... Uh, a certain amount, but not carry the football team, and he didn't carry the team. He said he had 220 yards passing, 86 run screens to Alvin Cook, uh, 30 or so were on a, a 30-35 run, a, a po- very poorly thrown go route to Stephon Diggs that he came back after beating his receiver, came back and somehow snagged the ball off the turf. Right, So you break it down, okay, he threw for you know, uh, 110 yards or something like that um, on the other, you know, 24 passes. That's nothing special. But, you know, he didn't turn the ball over. Uh, he got the ball out, um, and uh, he made plays in the red zone and won a really, really good play to Kyle Rudolph, but he made good plays in the red zone when they needed to. Uh, and he made, you know, a couple plays during the game that got the team out of trouble. The, you know, the rollout to when they got pressure, the raw and hit D.C. Johnson along the sidelines. Huge play in the game. Like, that was that was a big play. And he came through at that spot. But was he asked to, like, 
All right, balls in your hands. Two minutes left. We got one timeout. Balls in the twenty. We need a field goal to win. How, did he do that? No, he didn't do that. They 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 literally hand the ball off ten times in a row on that sort of game winning drive. And and again, as a quarterback, that's not. Yes, you're a part of that system. You're you're part of those plays, but you, that you're not really the ones making those plays. That's Dalvin Cook, and that is the guys blocking out there. Even the receivers are doing more than the quarterback. My job is just deliver the football to somebody else, and hopefully somebody else can do it. Um, and so this that's not because they didn't trust him. But that, 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 that was working. So, like, let's just keep doing this. Let's just keep doing this. And, and I think, um, you know, that's another thing why, why people like Kubiak. Um, as you said, he's a common-sense sort of guy. Wait, we're running the ball for four and five and six yards. Why, why would we just throw a pass in there because they want, we're supposed to mix it up? I'm getting four or five yards. Let's just keep pounding these guys. And, like, that's just sort of common sense. On the other side, I'm watching the Bears game the other day. They run for nine yards. They run for seven yards. They got first and ten. And they throw a go route to Taylor Gabriel, who's, like, 5'9", on a six-foot-two corner. And the corner is bailing and, like, ten yards deeper than Taylor Gabriel. Like, that's, like, the stupidest thing you can do. Like, we just ran for nine. We just ran for seven. Yeah. Run it again. Run it again. Why are you asking Trubisky to, like, take a shot down the field? And he's terrible at throwing goal balls Wait, against the, the failing corner. The, the Bears are doing something dumb on offense? That is shocking Listen, to me. No Listen, way. Is completely Listen, I refuse to believe that. I think, there, I think, uh, I think there's Most a more likable Chili 2.0 in Chicago. That's what I that's <laughs> <laughs> That is really well put. I usually bring this upon myself. I didn't ask for this today. No, he's this... done this. Sage has done this twice now to you, and it's magnificent. He brings up the Bears and compares it. Hey, Sage, what... Uh, how, how concerned, uh, coming off the last, what, month or plus, should we be about the Vikings' pass defense? And what do you think, during the bye week after the Vikings play Denver, Mike can do in a very dark room to try and, because he can't change the personnel, to try and... It has to be very dark? Morph the... Oh, yeah. Okay. Film, film, rooms film or, or something else? Film rooms are okay. very dark. Well, I mean, maybe like this is a conversation, like he, like maybe he's learned some of these types of thing, uh, things with, like, talking to Kubiak. You know, like, what do you do when you yeah. just, like, you don't have, you know, your, your starting guards are, you know, both hurt, and now you have, like, practice squad guys starting, like, what do you do? How do you overcome that, you know? Um, which is crazy because the Vikings have three first-round corners. And I think I was hoping that Mike Hughes would play better last week and because I was thinking, okay, Rhodes looks like to me this might be it for him, and so maybe Mike Hughes would be next, you know, he'll be the other corner next year and blah, blah, blah. And he got abused. I mean, they threw it at him 17 times. Um, But also, like Mike Zimmer called defenses that I guess allowed for him to be thrown at 17 times, right? So um, everyone has a hand in this thing, and, you know, what can they do? They can play more zone and sort of cover two coverage. Like you can play zone in, in the sense of a single high safety, and your corner is more of dropping. But all the routes underneath him, you'll have a dropper really running underneath like those comebacks and stuff. So in a sense, uh, you're sort of doubling the outside guy with an underneath dropper, then you're, you're the bailing corner, right? Like that's one thing you can do. You can also play co- sort of a cover two corner in which your safety, like a Harrison Smith, would play over the top. And so after he goes past you, you sort of let him go to the safety, you battle him at the line, but then you're not chasing him. Uh, like in man-to-man coverage or something all over the field. I like that's something you can do, but then that times opens up uh, less guys in the box, and teams a lot of times can run the ball. So then you know you could take the strategy of guys, our front seven, we have to stop the run this week. Like that's the job. We have to stop the run, and because we're going to play more cover too, because our corners are getting scorched out there, as we all can see. Like that's you know might be something that of course they wouldn't say it that way, but that might be something that they could also do. Um, or you know coach them up. 
coach them up somehow, uh, and you know, they and maybe they'll figure out what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. I couldn't imagine playing cornerback uh, that position and chasing four, three, five guys all over the field all the time. They're usually taller than me and stronger than me, and that that, that is a really, really. It's I think that's the toughest. Other than I mean, I think quarterback's tough, but I think physically that is an extremely tough job. It's probably You're the running, position that that has the potential to make you look the most ridiculous. If and the, I, probably the best athletes. Yeah. Right. I mean, receivers are basically running forward. Like the human body is actually created to run forward, not sideways or backwards. And everything of how we're designed, DBs are all backwards, sideways, turn, sprint, chase. <laughs> you know, I mean, they are incredible athletes. Uh, so when they have to chase. You know, Devontae Adams or Amari Cooper last week and Tavon Austin, who's one of the faster guys. Like, you know, I cannot imagine how hard that must be. Uh, and very few corners can do it really well. And, and, you know, the Vikings are struggling at that position. So there's some schematic things you can do, not, not force them to have to sort of chase nearly as much and give them some help underneath or over the top. Uh, but at the end of the day, you draft guys in the first round. You're hoping that they're, you know, I think shutdown corners, uh, not really a thing for the most part, but I, you know, guys that could play better than, you know, the, what it was 156 yards that went to, uh, Mike Hughes's, yeah. uh, position last week. Yeah. That is Sage Rosenfels. You can find him also on Purple Daily, Mondays at 2 o'clock and Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. And you can follow him on Twitter just at Sage Rosenfels18, right? Sage Rosenfels18. And yeah, Instagram, that, that, too. Yeah, yeah, the I, the IG. I went to a Lena Del Rey concert last Saw night. Saw that. Look at you, really? man. Yeah, I got you. to meet her in wow. the back, you know. That was sort of. That was sort of a cool uh, experience. I didn't know really almost any of her music except for like yesterday. I heard I was getting tickets, and so like I started listening to it. I knew like one song, um, I mean, but you know, well, think about big all the fan, di- big think about fan. All nice the to die meet hard, you. The diehard people that would have killed to be backstage to meet here, and you're like, ah, oh, googling her four hours before. Yeah, a lot of screaming, a lot of screamers at that concert. Yeah. By the uh, way, from uh, like like forty year old men screaming to like sixteen year olds, <laughs> it was all over the map. It was uh, it was a, it was a good show. So anyway, it was. Uh, I don't even know how we got onto that subject. Yeah. Oh, my my Instagram. That's right. My Your Twitter. My, and my al- Twitter. Another thing you can get on Sage's Twitter is stuff like this that I saw yesterday. Can you write jokes for me? I do a little stand-up on the side. He oh, my qu- owl joke. He quote-tweeted a uh, video of an owl writing a Segway, and he said, uh, looks like he's having a hoot of a time. Wow. <laughs> I will see my way out. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. No, that's, that's enough. No, it's free. <laughs> Twitter's free. It's just free. an email. <laughs> it is free. All right. That's enough of this. All right, Sage, we'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Hey, by the way, I just want to say one last thing. I'm looking, you know, it, I think for Vikings fans, let's wa- watch this. Watch both offenses this week because this uh, uh, Denver team runs a similar style under Rich Scangarella, who is a Kyle Shanahan sort of mm. prodigy or whatever, and obviously sort of descended of this tree. Uh, and I, I know Rich well. I like his offense. But there's a lot of similarities to it. And, and Joe Flacco is a very slow, very strong arm, pretty accurate quarterback. But, man, he is slow, and he gets he gets sacked a lot in the pocket as well. So, uh, anyway, just something to look at as, as fans watch the game on Sunday. Vikings should, uh, Vikings should destroy and then look ahead by week and Seattle. Say Josenfels, Purple Daily Tuesday on uh, – uh, 2 o'clock on Mondays and Wednesdays, and Sage Football Wisdom. All right, guys. Omaha. 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 See ya. See you, Sage. See Mackie you guys. and Jeb with Rami.